production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support of PNC and the Raskin Family Fund, with additional funding from Robert Conrad, Cleveland State University, the Chautauqua Institution, the Cleveland Clinic, and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland. I'm Rick Jackson, senior host and producer at IdeaStream. I'm pleased to introduce today's forum, a conversation with local leaders on the Blockland Initiative. Last summer, many of you know, Bernie Moreno began sharing his vision to make Cleveland a leader in blockchain, a disruptive technology that has the potential to impact banking, real estate, manufacturing, countless other industries. Progress has been swift. In August, Blockland announced a partnership between Jumpstart Inc. and Toronto-based Blockland Research Institute, providing small businesses and nonprofits access to BRI's data and their research. In November, Ohio became the first state to accept cryptocurrency as payment from taxpayers. And in December, the Cleveland Blockchain Solutions Conference debuted, drawing more than 1,500 people right here to downtown Cleveland from around the world. They learned more about the technology and how Cleveland can establish itself as an epicenter for blockchain technology. Proponents believe Blockland would bring large amounts of tech talent, entrepreneurs, and innovators into the region, boosting our economy, improving our tax base, and creating jobs. Critics, though, worry that if the efforts do not change the underlying conditions of the poor in our city and in our region, it simply won't be the success that it could be. So the question we have is, what's next for Blockland? Can the region, long known for expertise in manufacturing and in healthcare, also become a technology hub? Today, we may find out. Joining me on stage, Jessica Berg, Dean of the Case Western Reserve University School of Law and co-leader of the Blockland Legal System Node. We will explain nodes for those of you wondering that word. Kevin Johnson, Managing Partner of NextGen Interactive. Charles Stack, CEO and co-founder of Flash Starts. And Dr. Monique Umphrey, the Vice President of Workforce Innovation and Dean of IT at the IT Center of Excellence at Cuyahoga Community College. If you could please welcome them with me. We are pretty much entering a new phase here with Blockland Cleveland. No longer needing to explain to everyone exactly what we think is going to be going on. Your interest in some knowledge is evident because you paid to be here, right? <laughs> so many of you do know what's going on. If I may, we're going to make this dangerous assumption that there are definitions that are superfluous, but we will explain some of the things. We'll go from there. Kevin Johnson, I'm going to start with you, sir. I think we've all heard Mr. Moreno say that 2018 was a year of assimilation and preparation. 2019 will be a year of implementation. What is it that Cleveland is ready to implement? So, great question. Um, part of the reason why we're here is to talk a little bit about what we're going to do in 19 and how we're going to go about doing it. Um, what you're seeing is a, a coalescence of a lot of entities who are technology-oriented, who have some degree of black, uh, blockchain background, and who are interested in developing this technology for actual applications. And the applications out there are probably more than a lot of people realize. Um, what we want to make sure we do is, is make sure that Cleveland and this region is extremely engaged such that from an economic standpoint, from an inclusive standpoint, we're able to benefit from that. So 
It's a broad question. Blockchain presents an opportunity, and block land really becomes this large region, from my perspective, where we're trying to uh, not just figure out how to engage, but actually engage and create synergy so that we have a greater, a greater chance of being even more relevant as a region long term. Charles Stack, why does blockchain matter? So, I'm old, and there have been uh, four great technology waves in my lifetime. This is the fourth, starting with the personal computer revolution in the 80s, and the internet in the 90s, and smart devices, and, and uh, 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 web services in the 2000s. And now we're at blockchain. And frankly, we missed the first three waves as a, as a community. Other regions in the US and around the world grabbed onto those waves and surfed them to economic uh, development, jobs, and wealth. We missed it. I don't want us to miss this one. And that's the message that Blockland brings, is that this is our chance as a region to collaborate, pull together, ride this wave to the greater good of the entire region. Dean Berg, what's allowed us to come as far as we have, as quickly as we have? Um, so I think uh, it's a combination of different things. There's a lot of energy uh, from different people. Uh, there's a lot of effort and excitement. But I think fundamentally it has been an attitude that we can move forward even if we haven't figured everything out yet. Um, and we're willing at each point to reconsider, reevaluate, change things, move ahead at the same time. So we're never keeping ourselves sort of in the all right, well, let's discuss it until we've got every aspect or make sure we have every single person there before we can move forward. We can move and we can adjust, and we can move and we can adjust, and that's an extraordinary way to move forward. When we talk about the movement, we, I mentioned already the uh, December Cleveland Blockchain Solutions Conference debut, 1,500 people from around the world coming down here. Um, there's another date Dean Humphrey set already for this year, November 30th. Does wanting to be an education IT center make us an education IT center? Uh. Well, when you think about what makes a center of excellence, uh, usually it's because you have a predefined uh, expertise that others acknowledge that. Uh, at Tri-C, we are probably one of the largest providers of Cisco talent, not just in Northeast Ohio, but in the region in the Midwest. Since 2000, we've educated and trained over 1,000 Cisco professionals. So when you think about uh, Tri-C and how uh, Dr. Johnson had the vision to establish centers of excellence to align for, uh, to make sure that all of our training and education was aligned for the in-demand careers. When I think about block land and blockchain, the great opportunity that we have is, you know, for those of you in the room that are already a part of the tech community, you know, we've had a, many, many great wins within the tech community. Uh, but as Charlie said, you know, we, we have this opportunity to get in front of the blockchain revolution and we planted our flag with the Blockchain Solutions Conference that we are ready for blockchain business. And so we let the world know that we were interested in attracting top talent, great entrepreneurs and great businesses here. So we wanted them to understand that they can leverage the strength of Cleveland, which is our wonderful uh, history and legacy and experience with manufacturing and healthcare and also tie that into the tech community here. Planting the flag is good, but what else do we have to do to stay in front of the race? Well, first and foremost, we have to make sure that we have the talent to support uh, the, the new companies that come here and also to fuel the companies that are here. So it's great as we have companies that are looking to uh, leverage blockchain, have that in their technical toolkit. 
uh, to spur innovation, but they have to have the talent that knows, one, uh, what the use cases are for blockchain if they're not technical talent, but understand how they can apply blockchain as a, a possible solution to address some of their pain points. And then we have to make sure that we do have the technical talent that can build the blockchain applications. Charles, entrepreneurship, that's where you started. This is another way for people to jump in on the ground floor. So it's what's I, a, a sort of an answer to that question. Okay. But I, as I was preparing for this in the last eight hours, um, <laughs> thank you, Dan. I, I, I was trying to think about how to bring this message home, and it, it occurred to me that blockchain and blockland have a remarkably compelling similarity. They're both about partnerships and collaboration. And Blockland has been an extraordinary achievement, thanks in part to Bernie Marino, but he's not here, so I don't want to give him too much credit. <laughs> but, but to the 1,500 people who belong to the Facebook group, the hundreds of people that participate in the nodes, each one has a specific set of assignments, every one of whom is volunteer, every one of whom loves this community and wants to see them succeed. And there's been, this is a little out of school, but there's been a little bit of tension between this grassroots community and existing organizations that have, have been creating what I think is an echo chamber around Cleveland's good, we're doing fine. Whereas the outside messaging is, no you're not. And that's what started this, was Penny's dead last presentation, because we're not doing well. But that collaboration of people who care about this community is the same thing that blockchain brings, which is all about a community that can do transactions on this new technical platform. And what's important for everybody in this room to recognize is that you can participate in the Blockland initiative by being a part of the collaborative that helps block land become successful because it's going to impact everyone's life because it's like uh, the, the partnership piece taken on the, the, the software level. And that similarity, I, I think, was striking to me. It sounds to me like we've been on the honeymoon and it's time for the marriage to begin. <laughs> no, I'm not going. I'm not going there. I'm not going there at all. Uh, my my wife's in the room, and it's. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going there in any way. But it it really is. Um, we really need the entire community to engage, not just to promote block land, but to engage with blockchain as a technology that you can use uh, regularly. So you know, go buy some Bitcoin. You don't buy a whole one because it's too expensive but go buy some Bitcoin and experience what that process is like. Become technically enabled in the blockchain universe and you will be supporting Blockland because it's a community initiative about a community technology. So one of the things I think that's most interesting about blockchain as a technology is it's so collaborative. It, it's you know, why do you end up filling a room and, and why are so many people interested? You look at who's on stage here and you end up with blockchain being a technology. So you've got the technology folks engaged. It's software. You've got those folks engaged. It's legal, smart contracts. You've got the legal people all over it. You've got the business community all over it. You've got companies that are looking to understand 
gee, I'm not sure what it is, but I am sure that I don't want to be left behind. So that's why they're talking to companies like mine. So you've got all of this going on because of how collaborative to a sense the technology is with respect to every area of profession. And we're going to see over the coming years just how invasive it is. And those of us who may think that, okay, I'm not a technology person, so I don't need to be bothered, you really want to think about that again. And, and we really want to make sure that we understand exactly how this technology is going to impact your life. So those use cases you talked about, those are, going to, those are very, very important because they begin to understand how every market segment is going to be impacted by this technology. One other thing that I think is critical, uh, you mentioned uh, getting our community involved. Uh, many of the people in this room may be technologists or may see themselves as technologists. But as far as where this goes and where it moves from here, I think um, for, we used to say, when the rubber meets the road, for Blockland to really um, grow exponentially, it's going to, we're going to have to get the non-technologist involved. And so if you've seen Blockland as a technical initiative, as an IT effort, I don't want you to look at it that way. I want you to think of this as an economic development effort. This is a way for us, if you love Cleveland, if you care about Cleveland, if you care about the future, if you have children, if you want your grandchildren to grow up and stay here, you need to, you need to be concerned about block land. This is for you. Because even if you don't have technical skills, if you can connect people to block land training, if you can tell them about what's going on, if you can share the news with other people, that's how this grows and gains steam. When I think about the history of Cleveland and what makes this place special, you know, uh, historically, many people came here, their grandparents came here as immigrants, other people came here as part of the Great Migration from the South, many African Americans did. But the one thing that we all had in common was coming here for better opportunities. And we do know uh, 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 the uh, Tale of Two Tomorrows, the great report that was done, talked about some of the disparities in the city. We all know that that's not okay to keep moving forward with that. And one thing that's really remarkable and innovative about Blockland is it has been inclusive by design from the beginning. And we are very intentional about making sure that we reach all of Cleveland. And we want to create those same opportunities. You know, back in the 20s or 30s, if you had a strong back and a strong work ethic, you could create a middle-class lifestyle for your family. Mm -hmm. And we know that since 2000, we've had a lot of new millionaires in the area. So for those that have entered the tech environment here, you know, it's been great. You look at Jumpstart and all the successes that we've had. So for those that are in the tech community already, they're usually doing pretty well. But for those that are not connected, we need to connect them with the messages and help them understand that technology can be wonderful and it can uh, create great family-sustaining wages for people. And it can be done through Blockland. In his preamble to this program, Don Malkop said that it can't just be downtown and University Circle. It has to sweep all the way through the city. Back in December, we heard Blockland doesn't have a diversity program problem, said the all-white panel. So, so how do we make sure everybody is included? Well, I know at Tri-C, uh, we have a YACC, the Youth and Adult Continuing uh, F, uh, uh, Community Group, they work with different high school panels. That group alone has uh, in, engaged in design thinking and programming 
uh, so they can make sure from an engagement and exposure perspective, they touch 15,000 students a year. All of those students that they touch will have exposure to blockchain uh, technology and, and understand some of the career opportunities within tech. Uh, many people have said it before me, this is, uh, of course, we want to leverage the strength of block, uh, blockchain, but we understand for Cleveland to be known as a tech hub, we're going to have to increase the number of skilled tech professionals, period, in the area. So uh, as we get more people uh, equipped with the technical skills across you know, a plethora of areas, that will help us as a region. And then you know, uh, Cleveland State and Tri-C are both offering blockchain courses and uh, classes that people can get. Uh, but also, like I said, not just for the technical people, but blockchain for business, understanding how can I leverage blockchain for an, an innovative advantage? Yeah, in let's do step business. back just for a second because maybe not everybody has an idea. Some of the listeners may not have an idea. Dean, you run one of the nodes. Explain for folks what a node is, how these 10 come together to make block land blockchain. All right, so, um, so a node is, is just a, it's just a committee. It's just the subcommittee, right? There were not, um, I, I laughed a lot when I actually got the first thing that said nodes because in tech, that's really interesting. And in medicine, nodes are not always good. Um, so I, I was like, oh, a, a node. Um, so, um, I, so it's nothing fancy, right? It's just, I mean, instead of calling them subcommittees, we call them nodes. Um, they've, they've diversified, right? The, the, the idea behind them was identify the groups that should be thinking about things from the outset and kind of send them out to start thinking about them. And as we realize there should be others, create them and then ask them to come back. And our position right now is now think about which ones should merge, right? This is not, again, it's an iterative process. So the idea behind them is that you get people together who are thinking in particular areas, you, you get them, you know, have them go out, break into additional subcommittees or subnodes on different topics, come back, report back, bring them back to the group, have periodic public meetings where the public can weigh back in on this, and then think about, well, what's the next step? What do you need? Who else do you need to be thinking about this? So it's really designed to be um, sort of inclusive and overarching, but it's not stagnant. So the nodes don't necessarily stay all the same, and I think we'll see some changes as we go into from 2018 into 2019. And if you want to head up a node, all you have to do is call Bernie and make a suggestion, and he will put you in charge of that node, and you will be working 20 hours a week for whatever that is you said. Charles, is there any node that has taken point, has leaped out in front, has success, can point back and say, this is what we've done in our last six, eight months? Well, the, you mentioned the conference, which was a, a huge success considering the amount of time it was put together. Actually, by any measure, it was a huge success. Um, I think the, the next thing that you'll hopefully hear, and this, so I was in a four-hour meeting yesterday with all the node people. I didn't know they were committees. I thought they were nodes. <laughs> My background. Uh, and and the, um, the conference will come on in December, as you mentioned. But there should also be an announcement uh, in the next quarter about City Block. And I, I wanted to mention City Block because it's, it's, it'll be a real galvanizing piece. So, so there's a place node um, which is working on creating a physical location that will bring together all elements of Northeastern Ohio into one kind of collision center where we can orchestrate interesting collisions with high density and extremely high diversity to, as a tech center for not just uh, startups, but also for large corporations, universities, uh, law firms, and, and so forth, where they can coalesce and, and galvanize each other and bounce ideas off. 
um, and, and come up with true innovation. And this is hopefully not going to be a small project. This will be one of the bigger projects the city of Cleveland has seen in a very long time that will be focused on block land initially, blockchain initially, and then technology generally. And hopefully it will include a Cleveland Metropolitan School District aspect to it. This is all still under discussion. But this is, and I say that to emphasize that this is a long-term play. This is not what's next month, it's what's next decade, because we need to build this community up from the ground up to be inclusive, to teach the next generation new technologies that they'll be able to utilize for their own self-improvement going forward. Well, do people have to consider Blockland as an organization or a company or a nonprofit or a foundation or just an idea? So, so not an idea, but certainly an initiative that has managed in a very short period of time to find a way to create a vision of what we might do with a certain type of technology. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you think about what we've been able to pull off with this conference in a record time with largely volunteers, uh, it's, it's been nothing short of amazing. The issue now is though what we do going forward and how do we, how do we as I said earlier, coalesce around the community to build out economic value. And truth of the matter is, if you're not building out economic value, you're not necessarily creating a difference. Mm -hmm. And then I think to, to your point, we've got to be able to always drive this down into the school systems. So the school system has to begin to produce individuals who are comfortable with technology, period. Not just blockchain, but technology, period. And it doesn't matter whether you are an art major uh, general science, whether you, you love history, this type of technology and others are going to permeate all of those worlds. And so what happens is, is that if we're not able to create the change at that level, we're not necessarily going to have sus the sustainability that we're going to need long term, regardless of what we're doing. So I love blockchain and block land largely because we've been able for the first time perhaps to create an opportunity going forward that's in line with what's happening in the world. We've been able to create a buzz here in Northeast Ohio around technology, and we have an opportunity to build that buzz out into economic value and leadership that will make this a great place to be. We talked about Toronto, and we talk about planting our flag, I think was your term. Who's the competition? Are there other cities out there right now having other city club meetings saying, hey, we're going to run with this? Well, I can tell you when we were in Toronto uh, with Bernie and the other leaders, they asked that exact question, how many other cities have come here? And they said, you know, uh, at least 10 other cities have come here asking the same type of question. But the one thing that you have working in your, in your favor is the fact that you have uh, a diverse group. It's not just educators. It's not just entrepreneurs. There were three college presidents. There was the president of Jumpstart. There was the foundation. There was the philanthropy arm. There was the entrepreneurial arm. So the fact that when you look across the ten nodes, we have a unique uh, galvanizing effect that's gone on working with all of these different types of people who are unified and wanting to advance Cleveland. We hear about backing ideas with capital a lot. Flashstart's pledged to create a $6 million pot for blockchain seed funding. Jumpstart announced it would partner with Ohio Third Frontier on a $100 million fund for blockchain companies in the state. Who distributes that money? I'll ask you since you're tied up closely to that. Who distributes the money? 
who manages how that becomes a sapling for this forest of blockchain that we want here? Yeah, so Flash Starts is a startup accelerator. We're deep in the technology space. I'm trying not to talk too much about that. But, um, so we're, we're raising a $6 million fund to focus on pre-seed, the really far upstream, early stage uh, blockchain companies. And, and Jumpstart, which is uh, focused on seed stage, it's kind of after us, mm -hmm. is raising their $100 million fund to focus on um, later stage companies. And the idea is a combination of both recruiting locally, cultivating, and attracting globally. So it's, it's a three-part three investment model where we're both trying to grow our own, we're trying to create our own, and we're trying to recruit from around the world. And that's the answer, part of the answer to your question, who else is doing this? Every city in the entire planet is working on economic development through technology because technology is what creates jobs. So we're not just competing with, with Boston and New York and Austin, but it's literally every city in the world. So this is, this is a tough road we're taking. Wealth creation without social equality often means trouble. Are we looking at that aspect down the line now while we're still in the first inning? That was, uh, I'll take that because sure. I'm, you know, I, I was at this meeting yesterday and that was a huge topic. And, and the, I don't remember who said it, but the, somebody said, well, you know, we're, we're not going to be San Francisco. And somebody else said, we don't want to be San Francisco. The, the wealth disparity in that city is appalling. And that's true for a lot of technology centers, mm -hmm. is that they have generated wealth for a small sliver of the top end, but left largely the, the greater populace behind. And the wealth disparity in cities like uh, San Francisco and, and Seattle it's striking when you go there, and it's not something we want to do here. And that was made very clear, and, and it was a unanimous opinion that that's not what we're trying to accomplish. But this is exceptionally difficult to do, and, and why we've got to focus on it is because if not, then we could be successful, but do it in a way that, does, that is not inclusive. You take even Pittsburgh, and we talk a lot about Pittsburgh and the success that they've had in technology, but the wealth disparity is still there. It's, it's significant and they will, they will tell you that. And, and so we have an opportunity, having seen the successes of a, a number of, of, um, of, of locations around the country, around the world, quite frankly, we have a chance to figure out how to do both. And, and part, of, you know, part of my involvement is obviously from a technology standpoint, but also to try to make sure that being engaged in this at this point, that we, we figure out how to do that and we in fact create an environment where we do have an inclusive outcome. Mm -hmm. And we do have an opportunity to do it differently than anyone else has ever done it. It's kind of interesting that we look at it through rose-colored glasses, but can the potential impact on society stay as bright as where we think it is right now on all of society? So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm a business person and at the end of the day, if you don't have a plan, you're not going to have a success. So the issue is how do you go about creating this outcome? And one of the things we've got to step back and do is figure out how to bring that, how to bring that outcome about. And so, you know, there's some, certainly some talking going on in the nodes about how to bring this about. Um, but my view and my vision is, is pretty broad. And it suggests that you're really going to have to create a plan, not just even for Cleveland, but for the region. And you're going to have to build that plan 
in a way that um, you're going to get tangible metrics that bring the community along with you. Mm -hmm. uh, without, and here's the problem and the challenge, you're going to have to do that without slowing down the initiative. And so, uh, you know, as I always like to say on, on the back nine now, that's part of where I want to make sure that, that I spend some of my time trying to make that happen. I wanted to touch on the education too. You mentioned the thousand Cisco grads, uh, Monique at, at Tri C. Are there enough people in the chain to feed what this is going to consume? Well, uh, there's been a lot of talk about what is the number. What is the number? And the one thing I can tell you, uh, whether you believe it's 300, 1,000, or 5,000, uh, the true number remains to be seen. But we do know that we have to align the number of people that we produce with the job opportunities. What we don't want to do is to create 5,000 people that have gone through uh, blockchain training and then there are no jobs here. We don't want to do that because that would further exacerbate some of the challenges. So we're trying to make sure that the education and training is, uh, is aligned with our job uh, node. And so uh, as we look and we're going through those uh, training and education efforts and looking at the repository of what's available in the region, we're also trying to make sure that as we talk about marketing and getting the word out, I mentioned earlier that it's critical that we have people that are not necessarily technical as part of this to help us get the word out. Because how are we going to reach the communities? And you know, it's a two-pronged thing. It's the long view, looking at the K through 12 system and getting more people in the pipeline. But it's also working with the adult uh, population, uh, people that need to be reskilled or upskilled. And, and getting them involved. So uh, some of it is short-term training, uh, helping people understand what's necessary to upskill or reskill, but also equipping the next generation with the skills that they need to be viable. And, and so to add on to that, so as an educational institution, we are constantly faced with the idea that we have to train people for what's going on right now, and we have to train you for what we have no idea is going to go on in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. So when we think about the skill sets that we're focusing on right now, I think the important thing to keep in mind, you know, blockchain has some potential uses. We aren't sure yet exactly where it's going to be most useful or most successful. But we know quite clearly from actually quite a bit of data over now quite a long period of time that we need to be more prepared on the tech side. We need to be training students. We need to train them, quite frankly, on the law school side, even though they might get scared when we show them numbers and, and formulas. You know, all of this has to face the fact that technology is a part of our lives. So to the extent that this gets you interested in something, to the extent that we pull in the non-technologists, to the extent that we tell you that there's something out there that you need to be aware of, and to the extent as the educational institutions that we can train you to have the skills maybe not to be as frightened by something coming out there, to be able to evaluate it a little more, to be able to think about what works for your business, that's a success. Whether or not you are trained specifically right this moment to do blockchain. Because I remember reading uh, recently when you talk about change and change management, uh, when you look at how people react to change, uh, the biggest barrier is if people are unfamiliar with it at all. You know, it's one thing if you're asking me to switch and, you know, adjust a little bit, but if I've never seen that, that's a really scary proposition. So as you talked about, you know, especially for our K through 12 population, how can we help them to understand that, you know, what 
what they're looking at right now for 2035, 65% of the jobs don't even exist yet. So we want to equip them with critical thinking, problem solving, you know, all of those things that a, a strong liberal arts foundation would give them, but they absolutely must have technical skills. It's not optional anymore. So we don't want them to be afraid of technology or, um, you know, even if, like you said, if you're in the medical field, how do you use technology in a strong way? Regardless of what career choice you pick, you need to be savvy and uh, data literate and a good digital citizen. So we need to have those skills for everybody. And that needs to be across the board when we're talking about inclusion as well. And I think one of the things we're probably correcting at light speed is the fact that we never really transitioned our education from an analog world to a digital world. We really never did it. And we never accepted what that meant, what the challenges were, and how do we prepare everyone for that reality? We just kind of went into it. And because of that, we're kind of backfilling. We're backfilling on security. We're backfilling on people that are literate. We're backfilling all over the place trying to make that happen. And, and so that's something we've got to get our arms around and make it happen because we can't succeed without it. Okay. Thank you. Today we are listening to a forum on the Blockland Initiative featuring Jessica Berg, Dean of the Case Western Reserve University School of Law and co-leader of the Blockland Legal System Node. Kevin K. Johnson, managing partner of NextGen Interactive, Charles Stack, CEO and co-founder of Flash Starts, and Dr. Monique Umphrey, Vice President of Workforce Innovation and Dean of IT at the IT Center of Excellence at Cuyahoga Community College. We're about to begin now the audience Q&A. We welcome questions from everyone, City Club members, guests, students, or those of you joining us via live stream. If you would like to tweet a question, please tweet it at the City Club, and our staff will try and work it into the program. Holding the microphones today are content coordinator Bliss Davis and marketing and outreach coordinator Julia Wong. May we have the first question, please? Good afternoon, and thanks for all your great work and great thoughts. I'm terrified that when I go home tonight and tell my wife where I went for lunch, she'll say, great, now tell me what, what is the blockchain <laughs> and how does it work? And I'm going to look blankly at her and she'll say, wait, I thought you went to this lunch uh, <laughs> about it. Uh, can you, in whatever, 10 words, 100 words or less, explain, 1,000 words, what, what is the blockchain? And I guess while, <clears throat> while you're at it, how does it relate to cryptocurrency? Just what is it? We, we've done the how and not the what. Gotcha. Charles? So, uh, yeah, that one probably falls to me. Um, so at a, at a technology level, and I'll just do that really quickly, and then I'll jump up uh, because everybody glazes over. Um, it's, it's built on those three uh, waves that came before. It, it's a transactional database that is secure cryptographically and uh, distributed across all those different computers that we talked about earlier that came up um, that allows you to create a record of transactions. And the word transactions like sounds technical, but everything we do on a daily basis is a transaction. And that's why blockchain is transformative because it gives us a new platform from which we can manage transactions. So I have, and I have to resort to a note here, but I have worked on, uh, with some major assistants, a couple of things you can take home and take to a cocktail party and say, well, why does blockchain matter? So it's, it's imagine looking, waving your phone at a head of romaine lettuce and knowing where it came from, right? That's, that's very relevant today. 
Imagine knowing the precise moment at which your vote for the next president was tabulated. Uh, imagine confidentially sending money to anyone anywhere in the world at, at low cost. Imagine completing all the paperwork for the purchase of a new home or car with a signal, single digital signature. Those are examples of why blockchain is important and why it's going to be impactful. I have a lot more, but I'm well beyond your 60 minutes, 60 seconds. But it's that kind of, it's, it's every transaction you can imagine can be layered on top of blockchain in a much more secure cryptographic way than, than exists today. And the, you know, the, the credit card got stolen thing goes away. And that's another example of what, what the impacts will be. And we can talk more later. We're also, and this is self, very self-serving, but Flash Starts is having a whole series of events educating the community about blockchain. So on our uh, website, you can go to flashstarts.com events, and we will have, we're going to do two a week all around the region, Youngstown to Lorraine to Akron, a whole bunch of different locations over the next three to four months, all about educating people so that they can go home and say, hey, I now know what blockchain is. The technical piece of it at all, but just to help you try to get a sense of what this is or what it could do, <coughs> most of the things we do are mediated by a third party. So when you give money to anybody, there are banks. When you sell your home or your car, there are title companies that have to go and check everything for you. So we use these third party entities to keep our information and to assure the other party that that information or what we're selling or giving is in fact ours. Right? If I transfer money to you or I write you a check, how do you know I have money to give you? And then how later does someone know you have that money? Well, we use a bank to do all of that. That costs us time and money in any of those transactions. The idea behind blockchain is that you would take out that third party, that you could go with somebody else and using the technology with a secure database that then they could check. Now remember, we're using kind of general terms. You, you're you're going to check it in a technical way, but basically what would happen is you pull out that third party. So transactions should happen more smoothly, more quickly, and potentially less expensively. That concept is what we use and apply in all of these different areas and think to ourselves, well, how could that help us? Well, in money, which seems like the most obvious area, it could help us transitioning money between entities or individuals where banks don't function or where it's too hard to find a bank. Um, in legal areas and contracts, well, it takes a lot of time and money and energy um, and you know, to use the title agencies that you need to always check everything. What if you could transfer your, you, know, you always held your car title yourself. You didn't have to fill out the thing, send it in, wait for a government agency to tell you that in fact it was transferable and okay, and then re-register it back to the individual. So it's just a way of smoothing out transactions and generally speaking in societies, when you come up with ways to smooth out transactions and make them faster and remove additional parties, that is beneficial to a society. So we can't tell you all of the things yet, but that's the hope in what we're looking for in, in blockchain and its technology and used across these different areas. Because that question was so um, important yet basic, and, and I think we kind of assumed that we didn't want to you know, start at that level. But the point really, there's a lot of takeaways that, that have been mentioned about the utility of blockchain. And one of the ways to look at it, you know, I first got, it got on my radar from a security standpoint. 
and I started looking at what it was trying to do and how it was doing it that's different than what was currently being done. So I'm going to break down just a typical example that says, you know, what you do today, if you wanted to go online and create an account in a bank, you could do a lot of things and you're going to put in a lot of information, you're going to give them a lot of information, you're going to create a password, you're going to do all of that and your data is just sitting there, hopefully secure behind someone's firewall. Well, you know, it doesn't take more than four weeks to go by before you see that someone's firewall has been penetrated and that data is out there. What blockchain does is creates a different approach to security and therefore secure information. It does it by doing uh, some crypto, it basically puts encryption on both ends of the data to a certain extent, and I'm really simplifying this, and then allowing that to be out there but in a way that's very, very hard to penetrate. So now, that information that is yours, that might include definitely how to identify you, that information is protected in a far more secure way than it was prior, as opposed to native information just sitting there uh, waiting to be picked apart. Um, so that's one of the things that it does. And, and it does it in a way that uh, brings us a lot of other advantages. But I also want to point out this point. Blockchain is in its infancy, all right? So there are a lot of elements of the technology that are still being developed, still being worked through. Uh, nevertheless, the interesting thing about it is that as it is being worked through, the use cases in every industry imaginable, it seems like, are being developed. It's being used as it's being worked on, which is a very interesting phenomenon, but it's actually happening. And so I, I wanted to mention the security aspect of it because all of us can relate to our data being out there and the fact that every once in a while you shop somewhere that you just read about got hacked. Blockchain is not unhackable, but it's very, very difficult to hack. Anything that can be encoded can be decoded. But it's a tough road to do it, particularly the way blockchain goes about the technology. Thank you. Chapter 14, see chapter one. <laughs> Bless. Could someone please uh, comment on the opportunities this will create to bring foreign-born talent to Cleveland? Yeah, it's a great opportunity. I mean, there are, there are tons of uh, developers all around the world that if you could say, come to Cleveland because we have customers for you, they will come here in a minute. And that's one of the hopes that we can generate from the Blockland Initiative is to turn you and all of your businesses into potential customers. Because blockchain, blockchain only works if it has multiple customers. It's not I sell something to mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. I have to sell it to all of you because that's inherent in the technology. So if we can create literally a community of blockchain advocates, getting people to come here from around the country and from around the world to build their businesses here, becomes much, much easier. And that's, that's a great question, thanks. And it melds well with everything else that we do here in Northeast Ohio. Our cost of living is phenomenal. The opportunities from a cultural and arts perspective are outstanding. So we really want to create this as honey. That goes back to a question I actually didn't ask earlier. Does block, block land play well with others? We have so many different things that we're doing here as a region, as a city, to build. Does this 
overarch or fit in? Well, first of all, I want to say it's 1,700 people, so don't get in our way. Um, <laughs> you're, you're much better off joining us than getting run over by us. Um, and, and no, it's synergistic with everything else that's happening, I think. I, I can't think of a single initiative that I'm aware of in the city of Cleveland that's like uh, anti-blockchain. I mean, it all, it all does fit together. We're trying to seriously lift all boats. Excellent. You know, one of the things I'll mention very briefly is that in addition to that, this, this, this uh, location that we're looking at and we want to build out as this, this hub for technology, it's more than just blockchain technology. It's technology overall. I mean, we've, we're looking at artificial intelligence. There's, there are a lot of opportunities that we've got to be players at if we're going to be relevant in the future. And so blockchain and block land and the initiative is just the tip of the spear from my perspective. We want opportunities in all of those technologies that are coming down the, down the pipe. Thank this you. is just the next wave. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> my question is that somebody said that we, we have to learn, unlearn, and then relearn over and over again. Um, talking about the Lordstown, the GM plant, all of those people, and there's hundreds of thousands of people in Cleveland area, greater area, that have jobs that are going to be lost through all different ways that we talked about. Is there a program or are we talking about how to retrain those people to be able to do some of the things that are coming into the community? Mm -hmm. All right, so um, I can't answer that from an authoritative perspective. I can simply tell you that that is indicative of the challenge we have with respect to what we're prepared for and what's available. And that, that's a big gap that we've got to close. We've got to close that with our young people, let alone the people that, the people you're speaking about who are uh, raising families, who are part of our ecosystem, and who have to have a way to be successful. And so all of those answers are not in place. And it's something that from a planning standpoint, you've got to sit back and think about how do we bring this about? How do we create an outcome that will float on all of, a lot of boats? We're all constantly relearning and retraining. I think that's, that's a fact of life. Uh, but the issue is, what about those that are caught in the middle? And that middle is huge. Mm -hmm. Tri-C, not to mention Lorraine and Lakeland, are doing that kind of re-education for people now. It's just something we're probably going to have to ramp up even more. Absolutely, it'll have to ramp up and we're going to have to look at how can we scale those efforts, but um, where's the funding going to come from? You know, we're, mm -hmm. Tri-C is equipped, we have the training programs available, uh, but it's got to be paid for some type of way. So part of it is fundraising, uh, but there's always a possibility. Um, I think we have enough intelligent people in the region where we can come up with something because ultimately, going back to my earlier point, we all want this to remain a robust place to raise our families. So how can we make sure that everyone in the region has the skills and experiences that they need to be equipped to earn a family sustaining wage? And it's not always easy answers, not always sound bites, but we have to prepare everybody to understand that uh, when they go to school now, if it's K through 12, they're not just going and getting a degree. Uh, someone told me they were told that 
once they earned a bachelor's degree that they would have to go back to school every 10 to 15 years. And I'm like, no, every year you need to be thinking about how you are going to improve your skill set. That's just the reality now. So we can't, um, uh, to your point about going from an analog system to a digital system, we're in a different world. If you graduated from college in the 80s and you haven't reskilled, it's time. You know, I, I, I don't know how else to say that in a nice way, but we all have to own that individually and, and teach each generation and our adults how do we own our own success. And there are some uh, populations that are extremely vulnerable, but how do we uh, equip them with the right skills as well? Thank you. Marsha Mockaby from the Urban League, good afternoon. Mike, I have two questions. My first question has to do with the nodes that are working. So this is more of an operational question. We have all these nodes. We talked about the fact that waves of technology that have occurred before have missed the boat on really understanding how to be inclusive and make sure that it is really an economic development kind of initiative. How across all of these nodes that we have are we holding ourselves accountable for being intentional about driving equity, not just DNI, but equity into those nodes so that we can get that outcome that we're looking for? That's the first question. And number two, in, is there a node or some nodes that are specifically reaching out to the non-tech organizations because you also talked about the importance of that. So I'll jump on that one first from the uh, talent and development node. Uh, we've, uh, from the beginning, we've talked about how we can have outreach efforts to make sure, like I mentioned with Tri-C, the 15,000 students that we're working with, but also we have to reach the adult populations. So that's why I keep hammering the point. We need people from diverse backgrounds to join these nodes. It cannot just be the people that sit on the nodes right now. And I don't want you to be afraid if you don't have a tech technical background. We need more people who are willing to ask some questions and to hold us accountable, all of us. Uh, just because we have um, you know, uh, four people on the stage that look different, that doesn't mean that we have everything covered. You know, Have we dealt with uh, diversity from the perspective of disabled, LGBTQ? There are a lot of elements to uh, inclusiveness. So, uh, we need everybody at the table. We need everybody involved. I love, I see Chantel here from the Next Gen Node. Uh, this, the people on this panel are not everybody in Blockland, but we need everybody again. Uh, when I think about Cleveland and how diverse it is, that's our strength. That's what makes Cleveland unique. And in order for Blockland to survive and to thrive, we need everybody in Blockland. One of the things I think that, you know, I haven't always, I'm from Cleveland, but I always haven't, I'm, I've not always lived here, but I've lived here most of my life. And what I can say is that we've, we've, we've always struggled to a certain extent putting together what I call a comprehensive plan. You know, if, we're, if we're running a business, we're gonna sit back and we're gonna take a look at what's the problem we're trying to solve and, and how do we do it. And one of the things that, that we're concerned about, I know we all fence, uh, sense it and feel it, is Look, there are things in our purvey, there are things that aren't. My job as part of this initiative is to try to make sure that certain things don't get left out. But the question becomes who's at the table? The question becomes what entities are involved in making sure that you have solutions that penetrate the community. 
we can do so much and we're going to do as much as we can. But, you know, there are, there's a plan that has to come together that extends beyond block land. And we're going to make sure we do everything that we can, but we're also not going to write a check that we can't cash. And that's where we've got to make sure that while we are going to move at the speed of technology, which is really fast, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that the left outs and the left behinds, that we minimize that. But we need more help than what we can muster from block land alone. It makes me think one of the things my dad says all the time is, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And so <laughs> when I, I think about that. this, <laughs> If you want to be a part of shaping the future of Blockland, you have to be involved. It's so easy to sit back and say, they're not doing enough, they're not doing this. But, you know, we're all volunteers. And again, if, we, if you care about Cleveland, care about Blockland. That, that's the best thing I can say. And, and I, I mean, I don't, you know, this isn't going to solve everything, right? Blockchain isn't a panacea, nor is technology, quite frankly, right? But I think there's a, there's a clear commitment and has been throughout this entire process to be not only as inclusive as possible, but also to be thinking constantly about that equity and equality question, right? To, be, to have that on our mind, to be aware of it. The awareness is a step in the right direction. But if you ask, you know, how are we being held accountable? Well, you hold us accountable, right? And you should continue to hold anybody accountable who's trying to do something and at the same time recognize that if they don't solve everything, it doesn't mean that we failed. It just means that we need to try harder in other areas to continue to do the things that we're doing. Um, and I think we have made some significant progress. Um, you, know, you pointed out sort of the, the response the first time the panel was asked, although it was actually a little more diverse even at the time they were asked than, okay, good. <laughs> uh, th than I think it becomes apparent. We sit up here not as the representatives of the perfect diversity of blockchain and the initiative that's in the nodes. We're just the people who maybe held still long enough when we were asked to, to say we're willing to come up and talk to you about it. We care about it, as do the other people involved, and we hope that others will become involved, and we hope that we'll be continued, you know, people will continue to question us and to ask questions generally about it. You know, what is Blockland? I mean, I'd say it, it's a movement, right? It's, you know, what is it? It's, it's not. It's not an entity that sits on its own, even though there will be entities that come out of it that do things. But it is an idea of something that we are pursuing and that we are very much hoping people think carefully about what it could change for them. We also know and have lived through the fact that, you know, we, we, we know what happens if we do nothing. And that's not acceptable to any of us, for sure. And I suspect it's not acceptable for most of you in the, in the audience. Uh, that's a that that's just a non-starter. So we're going to move. Uh, we're happy to be part of it. We're happy to take responsibility as much as we can, but but we're, we also understand that we're not everything. But I would love to work on a plan that would make sure that we cover the bases that need to be covered. The planning we're able to do. The key word there was volunteers. We're all responsible for our companies or our job. We've got other things that we've got to do, and so. Wow, look at what we've been able to do as volunteers. But we need a comprehensive plan for our region if we're, going to, if we're going to win. And I'm not interested in playing. I'm interested in winning. And I think that's, that's really what we're talking about. Let's squeeze in one final question. Hi. Um, great panel. This is really interesting. So a little bit of background. I grew up in Northeast Ohio in Cleveland. I moved out after college, spent most of my time in California. I recently came back with my tech startup. 
Um, one of the strengths of the ecosystem out there is that they're very open to new ideas. One of their weaknesses is that they, there isn't a, a community, a sense of community. And that's one of the reasons, among many, why I came back. So um, I think you guys have that in spades, and I'm so glad that's part of the ethos of this, uh, of this movement. So the question is about openness to new ideas. What I have heard is that the venerable Cleveland institutions tend towards the traditional and tend towards being risk averse. Do you think that's true? And if so, how will you grapple with that cultural constraint here in Cleveland? So it's not just true, it's way more true than you even said. <laughs> um, yeah, risk aversion is a huge problem in, in this community. Um, and, and the solution to risk aversion is to place a lot of bets. If you look at one bet, one startup, one initiative, one technology, the chances of it failing are actually pretty high. But if you keep make, making multiple bets and iterate on your failures and go forward, as a portfolio of concepts, nodes, startups, the portfolio as a whole will succeed. And I, I can't overemphasize that enough. We're going to make mistakes. This whole group is going to make mistakes. Don't call us out for it. Point it out, and we'll try something new. But the, the risk aversion piece is, is, is something that's kind of endemic in this culture. And I think if we can look at it from a different perspective to say, we're going to place a lot of little bets. Some will fail, and OK, fine. Some will succeed. Yay, great. I think we need to change our perspective as a community to look at the overall placing of bets rather than individual failures. Mm -hmm. We'll have to leave it there. Thank you. Today at the City Club, we've been listening to a forum on the Blockland Initiative featuring Dr. Monique Humphrey, Vice President of Workforce Innovation and Dean of IT at the IT Center of Excellence at Tri-C. Charles Stack, CEO and co-founder of Flash Starts, Kevin Johnson, Managing Partner of NextGen Interactive, and Jessica Berg, Dean of the Case Western Reserve University School of Law and co-leader of the Blockland Legal System Node. Today's forum is sponsored by Highland with a T. We have representatives from Highland, including John Grobner, with us today. Thank you for your support of City Club programming. Today's forum also part of our Disruptors series, sponsored by Bank of America. We're delighted to have Sam Prentice and Ann Hatvany with us today. Thank you for your continued support of City Club. The community partner for today's forum is the Cleveland Marshall College of Law at Cleveland State University. Thank you for your partnership as well. Lastly, we welcome guests at tables hosted by Cuyahoga Community College, Flash Starts, the IoT Collaborative, the Mandel Honors College at Cleveland State University, and the Metro Health System. We thank all of you for being here today. That brings us to the end of today's forum. Thank you, Ms. Berg, Mr. Johnson, Mr. Stack, Dr. Humphrey. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This forum is now adjourned. For information on upcoming speakers or for podcasts of the City Club, go to cityclub.org. Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support of PNC and the Raskin Family Fund, with additional funding from Robert Conrad, Cleveland State University, the Chautauqua Institution, the Cleveland Clinic, and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated.